Hi, it's Anita Wing Lee. When we first developed Heavenly-Minded Earthly Good, we hoped that it would spark conversations for people, that it would create a safe space where people could think critically about their own questions around faith and Christianity. A few weeks ago, I found out that one of our listeners brought this podcast to her home church and they did just that, spending four Sundays listening to an episode each and then discussing it. Sujin and Sunil are leaders of a small house church in Toronto. And Dr. James Tyler Robertson and I sat down to have a conversation with them about their experience listening and discussing the podcast. So hi, everyone. I'm here today with Sujin and Sunil, two people who are listeners of the Heavenly Minded Earthly Good podcast. And I got to connect with them and I found out that they actually did something really unique with their podcast that Dr. Robertson and I had hoped people would do, which is that they brought it to their church and actually listened to some of their the episodes as a church. And so today we're going to hear from them and just explore what the podcast meant for them individually and as their church and um, as we're all on this whole journey of of deconstructing Christianity and church, what does it mean to do that in community? So thank you guys for taking the time to speak with myself and Dr. Robertson. Um, first of all, I'd love to just hear from you. What did the podcast mean to you personally? You know, to the point where you obviously wanted to bring it to other people. What did it mean to you personally? So for me, it was a really really impactful podcast. Um, I really appreciated, Anita, your stories and how you told your story. Um, What it opened up for me was just permission to deconstruct. Uh, I've grown up going to church all my life. And, you know, growing up, I would say it felt like I wasn't really allowed to ask questions. And all those like taboo questions was like, who you really shouldn't ask those questions. Otherwise, you know, you're thinking about leaving the church. Um, and so the idea of having a safe place to communicate was really pivotal for me. It really gave me permission. And I think that was, um, and then you also met, talked about some very specific topics that were of interest for me. And, you know, it caused me to think again, yeah, what do I think about that? You know, like, what do I think about, you know, women in the Bible, right? Or what do I think about, you know, idolatry in the 21st, 22nd century, right? Like, what do I, what are my views? And also recognizing that I've evolved as a Christian and realizing that there's something, you know, new to be looked at. It's There's a different lens that I can look at Christianity through versus when I was younger. So that was what it meant for me personally. Um, For me, it was uh, two things. First of all, personally, um, I have two uh, grown daughters in their early 20s. And um, they're going through the same things which I feel like you described in your podcast. And so it kind of normalized what they're going through, but it gave me some peace knowing that this is, this is okay. This is okay because you went through it and it's okay for them to go through it. So that it gave me a lot of peace. Um, second is, um, so I was a youth pastor till just like a few months ago. And, you know, 
I give permission for our youth to, in a way, deconstruct. Please question your faith. You have to make faith your own. You can't just come to church. But then when they actually started doing that, I freaked out inside <laughs> because I don't, I didn't want them to deconstruct to just to deconstruct. I want them to find faith in Jesus Christ. And I didn't know where it would land. And so listening to you and just like listening to your story, that also gave me peace. So in both realms of my life. Yeah, that's it. Oh, thank you to both of you. Hello, listeners. In case you haven't been able to tell, this is Dr. Robertson, because I don't think Anita and I sound too much alike, but just for the sake of clarity, <laughs> there is just in these two quick answers, there's so much to unpack, but maybe you'll just sort of walk it through a little bit chronologically. <laughs> I am a historian after all. Uh, so can you just maybe walk me through the process of how you ended up listening to the podcast with your church? So I initially listened to all of the podcasts um, shortly after I met Anita in fall of last year. Um, and listening through it, I knew there are people in our church that could really benefit from this. And, you know, being a, a fairly small church, there's a lot of fluidity and um, flexibility in terms of how we structure our meetings. And so we just started meeting and we would listen to the podcast together. Uh, and then we would have some questions and we would kind of share our thoughts. We would, you know, use the podcast as a springboard to ask other questions. And it was just a really good way for us to process this journey together uh, rather than just individually. Um, you know, it was really good to hear different people's perspectives on certain items, you know, what were the, the triggers? What were the sensitive points for them? Um, you know, where do they resonate? And so it ended up being a really good um, time as a small group to go through this together. Um, unfortunately, we didn't go through all of the episodes. We only went through four of them. Uh, but the feedback we got from the group was they really enjoyed it. Um, you know, they really felt like um, the topics were relevant for them. Um, you know, there was good feedback in terms of hearing the different perspectives uh, between people and just that we were able to do it together. So I, you've kind of answered this, but I just wanted to flush this out a little bit, too. Um, I love this idea of community and um, as almost a, not an antidote, but it's something that's so important to the, the heightened individualism of life in 21st century Canada. It's not just a 21st century problem, but it's definitely heighten more and probably on the other side of the pandemic. And I want to kind of come back to that. But as much as you can speak for everybody else, what do you think this meant? Or how do you feel this? This, Yeah, what do you think this meant for your church community, not just as you as individuals, but as, as a community? Can you flesh that out a little bit? I'll, I'll start. Um, so I know that what it did is that it allowed um, the different generations to come together, to deconstruct together, because it's not just the young people who are deconstructing but it's us old folks too. We're doing the same thing because, you know, there are things in the Bible that it's really hard to understand sometimes. And so it's, I don't think it's old, it's not new questions. It's old questions that we're able to do together. And I think that was what was really important. Um, and then I feel like even for the shy ones who don't really talk about the struggles inside of their heart, um, because they've heard other people talk about it, it was in the podcast and things like that. It gave them permission to um, to bring it out in the open, 
and to actually verbalize it because I had um, talked with somebody and the person generally does not talk about anything about their faith. But after the podcast, they became really open and vulnerable with their struggles. Yeah. And I think from a community base, it was also really good because, you know, we also still have people who have reconstructed or who are, you know, don't need to go through certain layers of deconstruction. And, and the other thing that happened was, you know, it gave people an opportunity to share their testimony. When I was in my 20s, this is what I was deconstructing. And now I'm much older. And, you know, this is where I landed. This was my journey. And, you know, being able to share that testimony a, is just a way to be vulnerable, which is an important part of, the, you know, establishing community. But it also gave perspective because, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, if you're at the beginning of going through something, it's hard to see the end. And it's hard to understand, like, is this going to be a one month thing or is this going to be a five year thing? And so to hear people share their journey, you know, how they, you know, processed through and, you know, came to their resolution was also really important in terms of the way a community was built. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for this. I mean, Anita and I were sitting around talking about this stuff. You, you, you dream and you hope that, and you know, you talk about, hopefully this at least gives people space to, to be honest and candid and hopefully they find, you know, uh, brothers and sisters in the faith that can also appreciate that and applaud that and affirm that, that this just, I got nice. I got the best kind of goosebumps listening to the two of you. So thank you so much for that. So this is, this is, that's, that's a wonderful affirmation. Uh, all right. So in, in the interest of keeping a story interesting, there's always got to be struggle. There's got to be an antagonist for every protagonist. There's going to be a Thanos for every, for every Captain America. I don't know. I, I derailed there. All right. We're, we're in this amazing challenging season and as you're talking about these wonderful elements of community we'll just, we'll just stick with the term deconstructing you know it's it's a bit of a catch-all term it's a bit of a buzzword but as far as it pertains to you as your community is looking at this topic of deconstruction as you're having these conversations what are some like real world challenges that you're facing like what is it you've already sort of touched on it like just the concern about where is this going to end but are you finding pushback on this? Are you? Uh, has there been uh, some real struggles, some real challenges uh, that you're facing as you go through this? One of the areas that I'm struggling personally is what's the balance of truth and grace? How much? <laughs> how much space do we give to everyone so that we can deconstruct together for the purpose of constructing? And so. That's my personal struggle, um, struggle, and I don't know where I'm landing right now, but I thought I'd just put it out there. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think for me, one of the, I don't know if it's a struggle, but it was something we recognized near the end of our, our sort of community deconstructing, recognizing that deconstruction cannot be an end in of itself. Mm. Professionally, I'm an architect. So if there's one thing I know, it's demolition. And uh, no one would ever demolish a building just because. Mm. It always comes with, unless the building is condemned or deemed unsafe, no one ever demolishes a building until there's a vision of what is going to replace it. Mm. And likewise, I think in this process of, you know, starting this deconstruction as a church is really having the end in mind. The purpose of these podcasts, the purpose of these discussions that we had as a group 
is not just to deconstruct, but really to start envisioning what are we actually reconstructing? Mm. You know, it gave permission to think about, okay, what, what did we grow up with in the past that isn't relevant anymore? You know, what's changed in life? You know, the pandemic had a significant change on everybody's life. You know, what's changed? Can we go back to church in, you know, the early 2010s and expect it to be the same? You know, culturally things have shifted and, you know, we've got, a, you know, young people that are growing into adults and they have a very different mindset. And so it really, it opened up the dialogue of, you know, what's relevant truth, you know, understanding truth is absolute and what is absolutely important to keep. And are there areas that maybe we need to reassess? And maybe they worked in the past, but maybe it's something that we need to consider um, something fresh. And so, you know, having having sort of the end in mind became an important sort of segue into whatever is next in our journey as a church. Um, you know, it gave a safe place for people to raise areas where, you know, this part of Christianity isn't sitting well with me. And how can we be as a community there to support one another? But really, it's not just to support them, it's to build them up to be who God intended them to be. And I think that was, I don't know if it's so much a struggle, but it's definitely something we are recognizing we need to look into balancing. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds like a struggle, but I, it, it sounds like a very sacred struggle. I mean, Israel right, wrestles with God, so this, this sounds uh, incredible. Are you able to, at this point, and again, always feel free to say no, but are, are there any sort of like... Um, perspectives about Christianity. Again, I'm coming at this a little bit as, not a little bit, as always as a historian. So I'm always kind of curious to see how people evolve and and change and whatnot. And of course, as soon as you sort of talk about relevant truth, and I love the topic, of course, there's always like, there's going to be people out there who tend to not be super invested in deconstruction. That's the big whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, so they're throwing, the, they're throwing things out. And I mean, that's a tad bit unfair as well. So without making you theologize and coming up with a big Aquinas level <laughs> summary of your theology, are there any kind of perspectives that right now you're like, you know, I've sort of been thinking about this and this is where I've landed on that. Any sort of perspectives on Christianity that, you know, the beyond deconstruction that you could sort of say, yeah, this helped me think about this and this is where I'm at today. And it's only ever, you know, for today, who knows what tomorrow will bring. I think for me, one of the things that started off was just, Looking at church traditions, right? Um, you know, we come from a, a sort of a post-denominational church, I guess. So, you know, we're not heavily steeped in, you know, traditions or, you know, certain um, orders of service. We're pretty flexible and fluid. Um, but even within that, you know, you get into this routine of same old, same old. You start mm -hmm. doing the same thing, and then after a while... Um, it just becomes habitual and mm. you lose that, um, you know, sort of the, the revelatory aspect of it. Mm. Um, and uh, so that's personally what I started reassessing, you know? Yeah. Like for instance, like one specific thing for me is, you know, I, I've been a worship leader for a long time um, and there's always the same, okay, you've got 30 to 40 minutes of worship at the front and then, you know, you do your announcements and then you do your like, message and maybe there's like a song at the end and like even that as like a tradition right, right? kind of just becomes same old same old and you know it caused me to question okay what is it about worship that we really want to engage in right and you know 
is it just singing five songs or is there something else we can, you know, what is it about worship we want to keep? And is there some sort of tradition that we've established that maybe we need to reassess to really bring people back to the true heart and essence of what worship is and ought to be. So I guess that's one area for me personally that, um, you know, I've kind of reassessed. Mm -hmm. Um, For me as a youth pastor, um, all the issues, the social justice issues of LGBTQ plus were like with misogyny and Mm -hmm. the residential schools. And I'm glad that Anita and her podcast were talking about all those topics, but the struggle or um, how to talk about it in the youth group or individually with the different youth has been a struggle for me just because I feel like I've been fighting with the social media because they have a lot more say because they listen to it way more than they will listen to anything at church. And so what do we do about that? Or is there something that we do about that? That's been a struggle for me. Um, And also back to that, I don't know if it's a balance thing, but how do we, how much safe space do we give them so that they can say what they need to say, but this is what the Bible says. And what do we do about that? And I feel like that's been some of the struggles that I've been having. Yeah. Youth work is a, is a, is a largely thankless and, and I would make the argument impossible task, but I love uh, the way you're framing it. This idea of, of, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to speak for for your faith family and your community there. Uh, but I know the leadership pressures I faced was making all your numbers, making sure you're keeping the young inside the church and whatnot. I was like, well, hang on. Are we equipping them to lead and form their own faith? Brought up. So as it pertains to the uh, to the podcast, well, we'll go with that. Uh, you referenced. I mean, only listening to four episodes, and I'll just try not to be hurt by that personally, and we'll move on. <laughs> just kidding. That's great. Are there? Um, uh, you referenced some of the, the topics that you said were specific and actually super helpful whatnot. Are there other topics, elements that maybe uh, th- this can go either way, like they wish there was more of or less of, and <laughs> don't, don't feel you have to be polite. Like it's, it's, it's a good critique and it's always good to sort of see, especially as we get ready for season two, what it is that's helping people in possibly the reconstruction phase or, or diving in a little bit deeper. Um, for me, um, just being the parent or the youth pastor, I really appreciated um, you bringing on your mom, um, just seeing her perspective um, and the process that she's been through um, was helpful for me. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe more of that would have been good. I think what the, the one that was most meaning, there were several that were very meaningful for me personally. Um, the art of throwing rocks at God was huge because that's what opened the door for permission to, to be angry at God, you know, to be angry and that still be called a form of worship. That mm-hmm. was, that was really eye-opening for me um, as well as for the love of idols, just because, you know, it's the crux of choice and it's the crux of what we choose to believe and what we choose to not believe. I think the uh, unpolished conversation, the bonus one, was very helpful, actually, that you guys went through everything afterwards. Again, in terms of where I'd love to, personally would love to see season two, is about the reconstruction aspect and uh, understanding, okay, we did all this deconstructing. Now, what do we do with these parts, right? Do we just leave this building demolished? Do we just leave rubble on the ground or do we start thinking and planning about 
what does it look like to rebuild? And what does that mean? You know, I know for us as our church, it's going to mean one thing. For other churches, it could be a completely different thing. For other individuals going through their own personal deconstruction, what does reconstruction look like? And what does um, what does support for that look like? You know, that's that's what I would love to see um, or learn more about and, and have, you know, more conversations about that. Mm-hmm. And I think, Susan, you were going to talk about this, but I would like to see, you know, what other churches are doing. And because it kind of feels like an anomaly that are we the only ones doing this as a church? You know, or are there other churches doing this as well? And um, when Anita came and you talked to us, you said that, yeah, other churches are doing this as well. And I'm like, this is good. We're not like some weird church out there doing our own thing. So something more about that. Yeah. I think one other aspect, just to piggyback on that is, um, I think it was, it sounded like it was unique that we were able to do this as a group within our church, that people weren't individually listening to the podcast and processing their own deconstruction, but there was a community to process through that together. Um, And I would love to see that at a church level between churches, right? Is there a form or a community that we can all, you know, hey, your church is deconstructing, our church is deconstructing, let's share notes, right? Or, you know, what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing in this process of deconstructing? Um, you know, what are some of the air, what, what are some of the victories that you're experiencing? Um, you know, just to know that we're not doing this by ourselves corporately as a church. I think that would be a huge sort of resource that we would love to start opening up a dialogue. Um, and, you know, everyone could be reconstructing their own way. And, and I think that's great. Um, it's just knowing that you don't have to journey it alone, whether from an individual point of view or even from a, a corporate or a church point of view. That is beautiful. Yeah, I, I really like that. That gives actually some practical stuff and bringing uh, certain elements, not just to the podcast, but of all these different communities going through stuff into into conversation with each other. Like, what a wonderful talk about what what's changed since the pandemic. And I'm hoping one of the things is, one, we've got increased technology for communication where communication may not have happened before, but also I'm hoping that a renewed desire to communicate with other people and not to see, I mean, I just want to drop that rivalry uh, aspect. I love that tradition and traditionalisms and the tradition can be beautiful and we can come back to the Christ story in different ways. But I love this idea that we could actually uh, communicate with each other and see the blessing in, in just sharing the journey together. Uh, just one thing you said earlier, I said I was going to circle back to you, so I want to do that before uh, I'm I'm done with my little list of questions. You noted, and I think this is such an important piece, is if, if deconstruction is getting oversimplified, it, it tends to come down to, it, it seems to be a struggle of the young. Uh, but my faith families uh, skew older, for sure. And I'm very much aware of the fact that, no, there's been a lot of people who've been wondering and challenging stuff for generations. And sometimes they didn't have, as you've noted, the permission uh, sometimes they made peace with it themselves, and other times they didn't realize they were carrying something until they had that permission. Are you noticing, because you've got a, a bit of an age, uh, a demographic age that spans a little bit, are you noticing any sort of like, uh, Sunil, you met, you brought up like the sort of, for lack of a better term, the social justice element that some of the younger are very, very interested in. Are you noticing any sort of uh, differences in what different generations are focusing on in their own deconstruction journeys? So what I find with the 
um, I guess Gen X is it, that older generation, um, they're very, we are stuck to our way of seeing the LGBTQ+, because that's the way we were taught, that's the values that we had. And the younger generation is obviously different. So I think one of the things I would like is how do we talk to each other about that? Because we do come from different perspectives. Yeah, there's that generational thing. Um, And then I feel like the older generation, when I asked them, you know, when you were questioning, like, what did you do? And a lot of them said they didn't because they didn't have permission to talk about it at their church. And some of them just left because you couldn't talk. But with this generation, and I think particularly with our church, what we've been trying to focus on is that, you know what, whether you're questioning or whether you call yourself Christian or not, you're welcome in our community. And you can stay with us because we're really about family. And I have to say, our young people have stayed, even though they say, you know, I don't know if I believe the same as you, Mm. but because we're family and you guys accept us, we're going to stay with you guys. And I really take that to be a blessing because they can process and journey all of those questions and thoughts with us. And um, I think that's a privilege. And um, I think it's a safe place for them to do, do that and, you know, continue to experience God's love wherever their journey is at. That's fantastic. It's actually really amazing. You're, you're talking about uh, with, with the younger people. I remember watching a show on Netflix. This is during the pandemic. And uh, there, it, it was, it's a younger show. And there was one, there was an infidelity that happened between a boyfriend and a girlfriend and, and the guy got all mad and she just slapped him. And she says, what are you getting bothered about? We're not our parents. And the story just kept on going. And I remember I was like, that is like the, the similar teenage shows of my own generation X, the, the 90210s is the catch all. That would be an entire season. That infidelity would be an entire story arc for it. Like that'd be 12 episodes would be dedicated to that back and forth. And they finished it in two sentences and just moved on. And to be honest, the storyline was a lot more compelling. I was like, that for me was a little bit of the uh, the grain of sand uh, that shows the universe of, you're right, like the the, the issues around sexuality in general uh, are completely different. And that makes some of us stodgy older people <laughs> a little bit nervous. But I mean, there's part of me is like, oh, there's some wisdom here. Um and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But also, I this is a good segue into uh, into Anita sort of sharing her stuff. So I, I think again, uh, Anita is uh, being bold in her own struggles and being very candid that not only is it just being in church and not knowing what you believe, but Anita started pursuing an MDiv, uh, a Master of Divinity, with the exact same. I'm like, I'm not sure what I believe, so I'll I'll start from I think God is real, and I was like, what a wonderful baseline. But I think that runs a little bit counterintuitively. So with that praise, I'm done with my questions. Anita, do you have anything? So I got to visit Sujin and Sunil's church a couple of weeks ago after I found out that they did this, um, that they listened as a church. I was like, oh, can I can I talk to them? Can I meet them? And so I got to hear from everyone um, some of the questions that we just asked Sunil and Sujin and hearing from older people and uh, the younger people, like what stuck out to you, what was meaningful to you. And um, I really, it felt very reassuring to know that even though when you make a podcast, like really, you know, it's a, it's a digital file. It doesn't even really exist, right? It's audio. You can't even put your finger on it other than on the play button, but that's not what has actually been created, but it has created this space. That's a bridge for 
people at different points in their faith journey, just it's a it's a middle ground. It's this middle no man's land where, yes, in season one, there is no answer. I mean, the closest one is like, my mom still loves me. <laughs> like that might be the closest thing you get to an answer. It was beautiful to see that it worked and it, it wasn't um, it wasn't an answer yet. And obviously the season one covers like uh, five plus years of my life. Well, really, it goes back even further to high school. So that makes it like we're getting into like 15 years. But the five years from before I started my program to now, um, right at the end. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, especially getting to chat with some of the young adults and, um, and I could really relate with them because a lot of their struggles are still the same. And it really impressed on me that, um, as a community of believers like these issues aren't going away so it's not okay to just stuff them under the rug and i think what your church is doing even though i know you guys are deconstructing you have all these questions you want to find that solid ground but you're in that perfect like you are the in-between because um you have created a space where that at least they can bring it up. And I um, I told you guys this when I was there, like that's actually incredibly precious in this day and age. Um, and, and as much as like, I can speak from experience that like as much as like, you know, listening to some of the younger ladies talk about the things that they struggle with and like, they really wanted us to address LGBTQ in season two. And then I was like, you know, Dr. Robertson and I know it's like, it's not, it's not as simple because it's such a heated topic in society. It's, it's that whole, like, we're not going to be able to get to answers quickly. And even for me, I've gotten a lot more answers having studied, but I know that the average person isn't going to invest in a master's to try to answer their spiritual questions. You know, they're just, they're just going to read a couple books. If even that, listen to a couple podcasts, get a new job, make some new friends, travel the world, la da da Eight years later, maybe they'll have a kid and be like, oh, maybe I should figure this Jesus thing out. Um, but it is a winding journey, right? Because even when they get to that point, it's, it's still going to be a whole bunch of years. And um, so I just wanted to Thank you guys for bringing this podcast to your church and for um, being willing to share some of your story and your thought process with us. Um, it's like, it's really encouraged us that things like this, which really tread the line between, you know, this isn't like, this is a free piece of content that really straddles the line between so many different things because, because I'm not an atheist and I'm not a pastor, but I'm you know, somewhere in that middle. Yeah. And obviously different episodes, you can see I've like at different points in my life, you know, where I sit on the spectrum is, um, it varies and is constantly evolving. I just, I hope that you guys like continue to cultivate that space. And I just want to tell you that you've like, you've created something really beautiful. I think for your, for your older people and for your younger, younger people, um, that is what we hope more people find, um, through this podcast. Uh, first off, I like your, you've set up the, uh, it's either atheist or pastor. <laughs> so those are the, uh, the two sides. That was fantastic. Uh, and you know the other piece uh, I, I love about this is I mean well, let's use the architect in you, Sujin. And I mean, of course, when you know we're we're demolishing a building, it's it's bad practice to have people still currently living in it. Uh, everybody's supposed to be evacuated, and there is a sort of sense that when you take something down, it's uninhabited until something is built. 
But of course, with this, that's where the analogy sort of falls short is we're actually living in the rubble. So maybe we can look at it more as like a home renovation that we're still living in our homes. Are we doing room by room? And we just sort of move all our stuff into another room and live that way. But I love this idea um, of a student, uh, Anita knows, her name's Robin Ingham. And uh, and so she's going through like an Old Testament thing and this this sort of sense of like the Tower of Babel and uh, or, or the Zerogats in, in the ancient world or whatnot, this whole idea that we we lock into these temples. And we look at sort of being scattered or disconnected as I'd go so far as to say many people see it as punishment from God. And in the Canadian story, many Christians in Canada have this sort of idea that we've we've not been faithful. And that's why people are coming to church or we've been too strict or hypocritical, you know, pick your poison. Uh, but also the sense that, you know, and I, I love this, that as you're worshiping, as this community is worshiping together in this period of deconstruction, you're very much in the hands of God. And that scattering is, it, it's nice to have a structure. It's nice to have, um, let's be honest, reason why we want to do five songs every Sunday is because it's nice and it's predictable. And I think there's actual spiritual power in doing things by road. And God shows up definitely through through traditions. Our, our Catholic and Orthodox brothers and sisters have found, uh, if I can use this term, the magic sauce uh, for that. But I love this idea too, that in these, times where our structures and the way we do things are are not as comfortable or as you put out beautifully maybe aren't as re relevant or as helpful um at the end of the day however where we are in the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction we are very much in in the hands of god and, and i love that you're bringing this up for people irrespective of age uh social agendas the politics of this and we will be digging into this so need and i have these conversations like okay what is is this so hot that if we just come at it, 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 it won't actually add to, it won't elevate any kind of a conversation, but do we actually need to talk about this? So my sort of last question to you, I just, that one, I wanted to come across as an affirmation that this is a very brave thing that you're doing. Um, it's a very God honoring, and I would say it's a holy endeavor and all holy endeavors have, have risk in it. Is there a sense for yourselves uh, as you've agreed to do this? And, and I'm coming at it because I've never actually been to your community and, and it, Anita would probably have the answer to this. Is there a sense that this space, because of deconstruction, not the podcast, but because of your own journey, like we all know the podcast is just one element of this. Is there a sense that there's something very sacred and powerful and, and that God is present in this season of struggle? I definitely, definitely feel like God is doing something. You know, Dr. Robertson, to go back to your analogy of, you know, complete teardowns versus renovations. One of the episodes I did appreciate was when there was a discussion about doctrine versus dogma versus opinion. Mm. There's two main reasons why someone would renovate a place. One is because of crisis. Tree fell on the roof. You had a fire. Building needs to be redone. The other reason is because of change. I bought a 1950s house. I don't need a formal dining room anymore. And you know what? This like, 60s era kitchen is really not what I'm looking for anymore. And so I want to change. When you're renovating, it's really important to understand what structures are important to keep, what are load bearing and what you can remove. And I feel like that's the process we're going through as a church. It's not a complete teardown. It's about assessing what structures do we need to keep? What structures or what non-structural elements can we remove? Is the way that we live currently in this culture different from 50, 60 years ago? I don't see formal dining rooms anymore. 
everything's an open open floor plan with an island in the middle and that's where you eat and that's where you host and entertain things have changed life has evolved and part of this journey is for us to understand what has changed and sometimes you need to identify it you know i've had a lot of people say i just want to change something but they can't put their finger on it and part of it is the first thing is identifying what is it that needs to change? And I think that's where this journey of deconstruction has really helped us is to identify certain things or at least question things, right? Maybe, you know, we're still very much in a process. Um, we don't have this all figured out. <laughs> you know, I'm curious where we're going to be in a year from now. But it's really just evaluating what is important for us to keep, what is important for us to um, cherish, and really what are things that maybe because of cultural shifts post-pandemic or just we're in a different place right now we don't need it anymore maybe we don't need a baby room anymore but we need an office and you know it's kind of really you know i use those analogies because that helps me articulate you know what could be happening spiritually for our church so i do feel like this is i guess a sacred time there is something unique about this time uh you know we definitely you know feel like it's been a journey, but God has been with us, and um, it continues to be a journey. There continues to be mysteries that, you know, will be revealed through this process. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that because, to be honest, um, we don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're going, to be honest. And um, I think in our prayer times, um, we've been getting the story of Abraham that, you know, he was told to go, and he didn't know either. But the thing was that God was going to go on this journey with him and his family. And I think that's what we're trusting that in the midst of, I don't know <laughs> where we're going to end up, but God is on this journey with us through the ups and downs. And if we need to go around the mountain again, then we go around. And if we need to go straight, we go straight. We don't know, but we're going to continue to trust God that he's with us. Yeah, And I think that's what's sacred and holy. Oh, that was so good. I love that. That's so good. Going around the mountain again. That, that that's beautiful. I'll I'm done talking, but I just want to say again, I love that analogy of the uh, the renovation, uh, the either crisis. I love that idea of the renovation. So either crisis or you know you go to your friend's house, you're like, oh, I like your kitchen cupboards, <laughs> and you go back. And this is such a materialistic first world analogy, but you know I live in the first world, so I'll definitely put this in the first world problems category. But then you look at your own kitchen cupboards, you're like, I think it might be time for a change. And, you know, that, again, that's a very carnal way of sort of looking at a deep spiritual encounter. But I, I, I take your meaning there that there are things that are low. It's a load bearing wall and it is foolish to take that down. But you're right. There has to be a journey of figuring out what is load bearing uh, and what can go. So thank you very, very much for that. And thank you uh, for your time today and, and uh, helping us explore that. Fantastic. Heavenly Minded Earthly Good is a production of Tyndale University. Visit our website, tyndale.ca, for more information.